Hello, sister. Hey, Justin. How are you? I'm great. It's been a, it's a long week. week. Yeah, it's the end of the week. I'm glad. I, I sent a GIF to a coworker, uh, a clip from Forrest Gump when he's done running in the desert and says, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> that's because that's how I feel. <laughs> Gump. Yeah. So we're trying to add a little more structure to our podcast by predefining where we go. So we don't just follow every rabbit hole we discover. I think that's the direction we've been playing around with um, organizing. So yeah, I, hope... I think that sounds wise if we ever want anybody besides our mom and dad to listen to us. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, trying to get organized here. So we we got three topics, kind of generally that we're going to talk about, and so I'm I'm going to just jump into the first one. Go for it. That I'm pretty pumped up about. So for Christmas from Angela, I uh, got a and the gift was an online class. Uh, Casey Neistat, some people will recognize the name. It's a very famous, popular YouTuber who specializes in filming. And so he, what he's probably most famous for recently is that he filmed a a vlog, is what it essentially turned out to be. But it was a little bit more than that. Uh, every day for like several years straight. So every day of his life you know, he told some kind of story. There was some kind of narrative arc to it. And he became very popular for that. And I followed him. And uh, when he offered this class online, I was very interested. So when I got it as a gift, I was really excited. Cool. Yeah. So the the start, the class has started. So the whole idea is the class lasts 30 days and everybody that signs up is assigned to a pod of other people, like-minded people. And you kind of share information and stories and encouragement and bounce ideas off of your pod. And my pod includes people all over the world. And so it's pretty incredible to see some of the places they live and the projects they're working on. And um, our first – we're going to – by the end of 30 days, we will have completed two films – I'm just going to call them films. And, okay, and, wait, wait, wait. Just a second. Yeah. How many people are in a pod? How many people are in your pod? Uh, I think it's 25. And everybody is recording something for this film? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. it, yeah, everybody's recording their own film. We're not collaborating oh. on a single film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the the whole idea, the first film is something spontaneous in your world, in your neighborhood, in your community. And so you just find an idea and then you go out and film it and then come back and edit the clips. And so these days leading up to this first film, it's a lot of here's my idea, here's some here's a, a few pictures of the location. You know, so we're just talking about the nuts and bolts of it. Okay. But it's it's really fun and it's uh, very entertaining to see what other people are doing. One guy from the UK, uh, his whole film is he is spending the night in an underground World War II bunker, and it's really fascinating to see because you just it 
it sounds spooky and you know him going down into this bunker is kind of spooky but once he gets down in it you know the you can see the engineering and structure that went in to building it and making it safe but it's just completely abandoned it has been for you know decades upon decades and uh, spending the night there by himself you know you can only imagine how lonely and scary that might be so is he staying there for the 30 days or is it going to just be he's working on it over 30 days? Well, no, he's he's uh, so we're doing two films in 30 days. So this is just his oh. first film. Yeah. And he's just okay. he's spending the night and documenting it. So his entire movie or film will be anywhere between five and 10 minutes. And that's okay. really what it will be for all of us. So it's just it's fun because. You know, a lot of times, you know, creative people, they need a purpose to do something. It's, you know, sometimes it's hard yeah. to just be creative spontaneously. And so to have an actual homework assignment, you know, it makes it exciting. With a deadline. Yeah. With a okay, deadline. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, what's your first story about or can you not tell? No, I can. I can tell. I, I came up with the uh, story idea pretty easily. So um, this winter, we've had some stronger than usual storms in California along the coast and that have had some, I don't want to say devastating effects, but they've definitely had some more severe effects than in many previous years. Uh, there was uh, a very popular section of beach that there were, the only way to access it was a staircase from the from the bluff down to the area and uh it the storm washed away um part of the pylon that hold it held it up so it, the staircase is just kind of hanging in midair and nobody can use it to get down there and then another uh natural archway that was very popular with photographers and and tourists uh the storm uh destroyed the natural archway that had been there for you know, maybe hundreds of years. And mm. so, and so I just thought, you know, telling that story, you know, the ever changing landscape of the coastline and, you know, what's being and done. And I bet because of just your natural hobby and interest, you have before pics or videos of these areas, I'm guessing. Do you? Yes. Well, uh, of the stairway, yes. Of the archway, no. I I had never been there, so now I'm you know regretting never having been there. So I'm gonna have to lean on a local photographer that's got pictures of it and see if she will let me at least visually represent it there. Um, so, but you know, I I've got the drone and all the video equipment, so there's many angles and different things that I can. Um, you know, used to showcase it. And then I talked to uh, some of the city officials at Pismo Beach today to to find out, you know, what's the timeline for fixing the staircase? What's it going to entail? And, and all of that. So it's not... Uh, 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 so you're doing a little reporting too. Yeah, it, a little bit. Because, you know, there has to be some kind of story element to it. So that that's what I'm working on. That's cool. Um, so when when would these finished products, would they be available for the public to see? Or is it just up to each individual person how or where they put it out there? 
Yeah, once I mean it's uh, it's up to each individual, and so I will I will make it available. I will have it on social media, and you'll be able to see it on justinstoner.org <laughs> eventually when it's done. That's my personal website where I post a lot of my stuff. But I will. I didn't know you had your own website. Yeah, justinstoner.org. What kind of sister am I? Not a very good one. Well, this... well who cares about your video? I'm, now I want to know about the bunker. I want to watch the bunker video, Justin. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. To, you know, the one thing that surprised me, because he showed little teaser clips. Um, and so, you know, when you imagine a bunker, you think, you know, in the, in, in the city somewhere. So he went out to, I don't know the location... Did he say Dover? Is that where the big cliffs are in yeah, England? Yeah, the cliffs at Dover. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he's standing on the cliff and he turns around and he walks a few paces back and there's a steel grate in the ground. And he goes down, shimmies down this little hole in this steel grate and this bunker is way out there. Huh. So, and Did he get permission for stuff like this or do you know? Does he say? Uh, I have no idea. Maybe huh. he, Maybe he'll answer that in the video. Do you meet with these people live? No. This, oh, okay. it, yeah, it's all virtual. It would be nice to uh, be able to talk to them in real time. And maybe there will be a, a part of that in the class later, but remains to be seen. And it's a commitment every day for 30 days. Like there's no taking breaks or, oh, we have the weekends off. You're, it's just 30 days, push through it and be there. Yeah, I mean, you you check in online and and um, you know, there's you just kind of keep people updated and interact and things like that. Yeah, but yeah, every day. I mean, at thirty days, it's over. So that you, you you know, there's no further opportunity to move forward. So you kind of make the most of it as you go. Wow, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the, the Christmas gift that keeps on giving. Yes. Well, and Angela, my girlfriend, who bought me the gift, she says, you have all the video equipment. You've done tons of videos. What else are you going to learn? <laughs> and, the, you know, the, I, the point I made to her, why I thought this was valuable is, you know, there's the, the what and the how of doing anything. But a lot of times you learning the why of something is more important. Why did you do it that way? What was the thinking that went into it? And because that informs you to a point that you can adapt it and make it your own uh, and make it more unique instead of just mimicking what somebody else is doing. Yeah. So excited about that. Well, let me know when you're done with something. I'm excited to watch it. I, I, to go to justinstoner.org. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Don't mind my typing. I'm just looking you up right now. Oh, okay. Well, it, the website itself, I mean, that's where I post a oh, lot no. of... Oh, no. Don't start making all your excuses now. So. <laughs> okay. All right. You you just discover it and, and, and absorb it yourself. But I sent you an article or a, a link to it. I don't, you probably didn't get a chance to read it, but, you know, it's one of those articles where the headline gives away the point and yes. you immediately understand that yes I, I i know this is true it's you know i don't know why somebody did a study on it to <laughs> prove it but uh you know it's true and yes. so yes, let's dive in dive in so the headline is this comes from the bbc it says your teens being sarcastic question mark 
It's a sign of intelligence. So I am so ready to own that. I will take it. I will accept it. Yes, I will. <laughs> Why are you so enthusiastic about this? Well, because my kids are um, have majored in sarcasm. Uh, they're almost their whole lives. And so uh, I'm going to own it. Like, finally, here's the positive side of kid sarcasm. It's not, uh, you know, let's go beyond that. It sounds disrespectful and all of those things, but it shows that they are intelligent. And I'm all for thinking my kids are smart. Yes. I mean, th there's no, there's no more proof uh, that sarcasm exists uh, in your household than your oldest son, who's known online as sarcastic writer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Um, which he had a previous, uh, I don't know, name, uh, video game name that we finally convinced him to change, which I'm not going to say here. But yeah, he is sarcastic. And and his younger brother is very sarcastic. And even my 10-year-old sweet darling baby girl is um, de uh, refining her skills in sarcasm. So, Yeah. That it's, it's, like the, it's like a second language um, or even a native language to the generation coming up. And I don't know, was it a, was it a native language for our generation, do you think? I, I don't know. I mean, yes, maybe. Um, I, I don't know that it's as widespread. I, I think the problem now is that uh, sarcasm is so much a part of the culture in social media that kids who maybe not even really naturally sarcastic, sarcastic you know, pick up the memes and the sayings and they use them. You know, right. so I, right. I don't see a lot of originality in some of the sarcasm with many teens. You know, it's the ones that come up with things on the fly and aren't just parroting what other what they've heard other people say. Mm. I think it's yeah. a true test. What's your experience with your kids? Uh well, I, I mean, I, I certainly have one child who's far more sarcastic than the other. Uh, Abigail is n not very sarcastic. Um, and I don't really know, you know, I, I haven't really put, you know, before this podcast, I didn't really think through it so much other than just who was the sarcastic one. Uh, Calista definitely is more sarcastic, but not to a very high degree. You know, it doesn't come out very often. Yeah. She's more quiet. Well, and like, okay, let's just say right now, just because that article says that it's a sign of intelligence or more, or whatever, high intelligence, that doesn't mean that you can't be smart and not be a sarcastic person yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Callista's the deeper thinker of the two for sure. Not to say that Abigail can't think deep thoughts or we haven't had those discussions, but, you know, Callista gravitates to deeper thoughts. You know, she's that's just the way she is built. Yeah. So, you know, in the article, it says, you know, it's a sign of intelligence because it's a demonstration that a, a child has absorbed a situation or a concept in their head and they've moved beyond that, beyond just simple understanding, but 
to the point that they can you know, make an analogy to it or of it in other ways. So it it it, it kind of proves some sort of the application of reason or something like that. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, so I mean you know, this is like fun and I'm just like, yay, I, you know, <laughs> proof that my kids are smart. No, but I've always kind of, um, you know, I've thought about it before because sometimes sarcasm can come off really disrespectfully and rude and, and all of that. And so I, of course, um, have made a point over the years to, you know, talk to my kids about that and to call them out on it, you know, especially, you know, there's the right time and place for sarcasm and definitely the wrong time or the wrong person to be sarcastic with. But I was, so I've had time um, to really think about why my kids are the way that they are or, and they have always operated around a lot of adults. Um, just by nature of what I do, where I work and who I'm around. And so who, and my kids were often with me, you know, that they, they have been a part of my work life just because of how churches are. They're around a lot. They've had lots of opportunity to build relationships with adults. And it's something that I've noticed that is not true of every kid. A lot of kids will shy away from adults and adult conversation, but, um, my kids, whether they were meant to be this way or not, they were just kind of forced to be in conversation with grownups. And I wonder, I've always thought that that is part of what made them so sarcastic. <laughs> I, um, just because they are, are that freedom to interact and to, you know, get your hits in, um, in fun, in jest. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I- that's just me justifying bad behavior of my children. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, and I think there's a fine line that has become blurred in modern culture, and that's the difference between sarcasm and snark. And I think um, I think there's a, a a lot more snark that's confused as sarcasm. Okay. So define, like, give give some definitions or examples. Well, I I don't know that I have an example, but snark okay. would be something that's more demeaning, more, um, it doesn't really shed light on this situation. It just kind of undermines it or diminishes. It's meant to be rude. Yeah, it's meant to be rude. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, well, then in that case, my kids have plenty of snark too. (laughs) Well, and that's (laughs) demonstrated well in that as yeah. Well, and I and I think that's why it's important to point that out to kids because sometimes they're sarcastic and it's funny and you laugh, and then other times they think they're being sarcastic and it's really snarky and rude, and they're like, "Wait, you're mad?" You know, I think they need to understand the di- where the line is or what the difference is for adults too. Yeah. Um. They're like, for example, I, I see a lot on. Uh, cable news, a lot of snarkiness, not a lot of sarcasm. There are some people who can go. be sarcastic and, and shed light on a situation. And, but a lot of times it's just a lot of snark and that's, you know, I appreciate sarcasm. I don't appreciate the snark. Yeah. The intention is to, to hurt or just, is just all around negative. Yeah. yeah. That's why I can't stand watching some of those t- political talk shows yeah. that I was forced to watch 
when visiting certain people in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's, Those there's people are, are going on. Yeah, they're they're people questioning them. So they're like, is she talking about me? <laughs> yeah. If 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 you have that question in your mind, then the answer is probably yes. I am talking about you. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you may not get a birthday card come May this year. I, I don't know. Oh, oh well. Oh well. Uh, so we need to move along to keep the show moving along, unless there's something else you wanted to add to that. No, I think that's enough. My kids are both sarcastic and snarky. Done. Yeah, yeah I think that could be said of all teens. But So in terms of life updates, I'll go first or you go first? Um, it sounds like you're ready to go. So okay, I'll, let you go first. I'll go. So life, I, I'm tired this week. We started the show this way. Um and that was intentional because uh, my my coworker went on vacation, went on a one week vacation two weeks ago, and she just got back today. Uh oh! So, Did she get derailed due to COVID? Yeah. So she went to Cancun with her husband, and while she was there, she tested positive and was not allowed to leave the country to board a plane and come home, even though she had. Zero symptoms, felt fine the whole time. Uh, so, but it, you know, she couldn't come. So I had to carry the burden one week. Uh, well, I shouldn't say burden. I did the work one week and it was fine. And then the second week, and it was fine. I, I don't re- resent it or anything like that, but um, I, I definitely felt her absence. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm glad she's back in the country now, still feeling fine. Uh, and when I tell the story to people, they say, oh, poor baby, she got a second week in Cancun. No. When you test positive, they put you in a room, a hotel room, at no cost to you, but you can't leave. So you literally spend a week in a hotel room. And that sounds like a lot of punishment. To a degree, yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, I know somebody too who traveled to South America, and actually they're still there, um, because and because they tested positive for COVID before they returned. So it's pretty miserable. Yeah. Pretty miserable. That's too bad, but you made it through. You were a good team teammate, and yeah, took up the slack even above and beyond what you were normally called, asked to do. Yeah. And Is that your only life update? That that's all I'm going with right now. I felt like my oh. class was part life update too. Okay. Um well, just speaking of COVID, I it, it's so out there and even if it's not COVID, just illness in general, you have to if I feel like we have to treat any illness like it's COVID. Right. Yeah. Because you never know. And, you know, until, unless you have access to getting tested and all of that. So um, we are experiencing a lot of turmoil up here in Oregon, um, just like everywhere else in the country. Omicron is, you know, going raging and spreading like wildfire. So um, schools have been uh, we, they took today off hoping that this long holiday weekend, because we are recording this on a Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend, 
hoping that this extra day off um, for students will help reduce the um, spread and severity of Omicron amongst students and staff members. They were um, also just, I mean, they've been operating short on staff, like I've heard about just about every school district out there short on staff and and my big fear well i guess i'm not afraid of it but my i'm dreading that if if this continues and progresses that they might send us back to um, oh yeah this distance learning so that's not fun no that's yeah i I you know i think some families did fine some kids, it was, you know, for those who are like self-motivated and self-monitoring, it was great. For all the rest of us, it was not good. So yeah. I'm fingers crossed praying that that doesn't happen again. So. I hear you. Yes, I, I don't want it going back because it, it, it did not work out well in any household that I'm aware of around here. So. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I can't say nobody liked it. Some people did just fine, but that wasn't my experience. So um, I think we're never going to be free of this thing. It feels that way, but I, 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 I am still hopeful that we'll get to a point where it's something we can live more comfortably with without all the regulations and rules and everything. But, I, I you know, I know. It's questionable. I, yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. And I live with a lot of tension as far as people around me being very on one side or the other. And I feel very much stuck in the middle. I can see both sides. Yeah. I can resonate with both sides. But, um, yeah. So that's not fun. And who wants to talk about that? Oh, move no. on. <laughs> move on. Move well. on. Um, you know, a really fun thing that's new for us this year is um, my son Cade is uh, on swim team at the high school, and that is that's super fun. Um, we are not an athletic family, and so high school sports has not been a thing for us <laughs> yeah. and um, until now, and it's it's really fun to participate and to watch in and um, to smell like chlorine like. So um, I get drenched every Thursday because I sign up to help to be a timer. And those kids do not care if they splash you or not. That <laughs> is for, for certain. And how is he doing? Um, he's doing well. He's, you know, he is topping his um, personal records, his PRs, you know, almost every week he does a little bit better. Uh, I think there was one race yesterday that he said it was way worse, but um, it's good. I am sure he just loves it since I have this upfront, you know, like front row center kind of view of the races being there as a timer. I'm looking and watching how other swimmers like strategies and stuff. So he gets this like play by play (laughs) for me on the way home. And he's probably hating that. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, how much it's a big team. So I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, one-on-one time the coaches can give to each swimmer. So I'm kind of just, making it up you know like I, i've watched it i can tell you what you need to do <laughs> not, not that i've ever been in competitive swimming but you know what as long as i take him to in and out after every swim meet then he's willing to listen to what i have to say so <laughs> it's a it's a bargain we've struck yeah whatever works 
Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So that's all. I'm just getting ready for a busy, uh, busy weekend. Going to talk to my church about the book of Ephesians. So. And you seem pretty excited about that. You'd mentioned before the podcast that you were, you had, you had some excitement around that. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever want to, um, feel like you're learning and growing, you know, like Justin, we have gone to church since we were, you know, I was a baby. I don't know yeah. how old you were, but since we were infants and, um, if you ever feel like you're getting kind of tired or bored with God's word, then just sign up to teach it. That's all. <laughs> Get in a position where you have to teach it. And it, it becomes, um, it comes alive to you in a different way than it ever has before. So and, I recommend it to, to anybody who and calls so himself how, a Christian. How is it coming alive for you? Can you share some insights? Uh yeah, I, I so I went to Christian college, and so Bible classes were part of my just college uh, education. And I remember sitting in those classes, thinking every Christian needs to to know these things. Every Christian, mm-hmm. you know, because in there, it, it it can be hard because it makes the because it's a school class, you know, it makes yeah. the Bible a textbook. So that, that can kind of hurt you in some way, but you get such great um, knowledge and a better idea of context. And fortunately, all of that is still available to Christians. I'm not saying every Christian needs to go to a Christian college and pay for Bible classes. And especially now with everything that's on the internet, there's so much available that's available for free. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, I you know our church is uh, getting ready. We're going to be in the Book of Ephesians for four months, and due to different illness that's going around, um, I'm like third. I was third in line for giving the message. So you think <laughs> that that I would be safe, right? Yeah. You're the third person in line, but no, Omicron. What or I don't even know if it's COVID that the other two speakers, potential <laughs> speakers, have. But it, you know the it all lines up. And so here I am with four days notice that I need to give a message, um, like an introduction to the book of Ephesians. And it's just really interesting to see how you really see how the the church at Ephesus got started in the book of Acts, because we have this great history of all of the, the early church starting and Paul's um, missionary journeys. And so he, is credited with starting the church at Ephesus and how that came about. And, um, and then you see Ephesians or the church at Ephesus referenced in the book of Revelation by John. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, then you have the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. So from about 53 AD to 95 AD when John wrote the book of Revelation, you have a little bit of context about what what this particular church or this region for believers, what that was like. And um, I was doing some preparation and it just the something came to me that I remembered from, you know, many, many messages or teachings in the past and it was all about the whole counsel of God and I'm and I was reading through Acts 19 and I'm like oh the whole counsel of God you know they were talking about Paul 
coming across these disciples, and it turns out that they weren't disciples of Jesus. They were disciples of John the Baptist. So he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you're baptized? And they were saying, who's the Holy Spirit? And he's like, oh, boy, you have not heard the whole gospel. You know, because even though John the Baptist, he was saying, I'm not the I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one that's coming. I'm I'm the precursor to I'm I'm introducing and leading the uh, making a way for the Messiah to come. So they were very receptive to hearing the whole rest of the gospel. They'd only gotten the pre-gospel. And I thought, oh, he was able to give them the whole counsel of God. And I'm like, where's that coming from? I, you know, this, this phrase, and I looked it up and it, it was Paul who said it in Acts chapter 20. So like two chapters later, the whole counsel of God. And I was just thinking about, um, the Bible and how accessible it is to us in uh, the U.S. and probably Western culture, and how much we take it for granted, and and we're oh, yeah. we're losing. I think that that people who call themselves Christians, um, that we have a responsibility to know the whole counsel of God. That's what protects you from being pulled away into heresy. What what keeps you from being um, belonging to a cult? That's another like fun thing that yeah. I like to do. Is I like to to hear, listen to podcasts, and read about different cults. And often they have this truth that they start with that starts with a Christian truth, but then it gets distorted. And, um, you know, and, and goes into full on heresy. And it's like, if you have the whole counsel of God, if we do know what the Bible says, and we like lived it and, and, and just had that knowledge, and um, then we wouldn't, all of the false things, all of those, you know, cults and, and everything would, would um, fade away. And I, yeah. you know, don't. You know, and this is when I start because of the current climate and just thinking <laughs> yeah. about how po- how political, you know, our, our world has gotten. I think I have seen a lot of people call themselves Christians, and I and I think that they are Christians who are behaving badly yeah. if they are Christians. Um, I think that they've glommed on to the parts of the gospel that are easy and nice, but they don't have the whole counsel of God. And so when you have two great documents, you have the Bible, which I believe is inspired word of God in one hand, and then another document, which I think is very important, the Constitution. I'm afraid that many um, American Christians are holding the Constitution higher in higher regard than they do the word of God. And they have, they do not have the whole counsel of God. Now, you know, I believe in America. I'm so grateful and thankful for this country. I think we've done a lot of things right, even though I know we've done a lot of things wrong as a nation. But I am not an American before I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower before I'm an American. And so... um, while I honor the Constitution and I'm grateful for the Constitution, God's word, it has to inform how I live my life before the Constitution does. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, that's... So that's how, you know, just, you know, Ephesus to 
America, you know, like, (laughs) what do we have in common, you know, in 2022, what do we have in common with these believers in, in from AD 60, or I guess now it's 60 CE, right? Mm -hmm. Common era, because we can't bring God (laughs) into it. If you are in public school these days, but they are people who had to receive the whole counsel of God. And then, you know, they paid a cost for that because they, they, they were counter to their culture, just like we are counter to our culture. You know, a a call to following Jesus is going to be counter to what the culture says. Now the culture puts up with us a lot, just like in Ephesus, there was a lot of um, allowance for following different religious beliefs because it was a pagan, yeah. you know, an amalgamation of pagan worship practices and religion and witchcraft and magic. And sure, if you want to do your little thing, that's fine. But in at the end of Acts chapter 19, as soon as your cute little religion, when Paul is preaching against, um, or, you know, just calling them out and there's this iron Mm -hmm. workers or metal workers who create those statues to Artemis, which was the big place to worship the Mm -hmm. goddess Artemis. When it, when his conversion of people got in the way of their business and like, we're going to run out of customers if people keep turning to Christ and becoming Christians, then there was a big clash. Yeah. And, 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 we will, we do, and we will experience that in America. Like, if if our if everything's cool with our faith and what we're believing and and living, then we might just be doing something that's outside of the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Is what I am proposing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Li- living in the bubble of America, I think. Christianity has softened in ways that lead to this in so many ways. That whole idea of the syncretism, oh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I mean, I just, um, you know, just having, I don't know, whatever, 600 or more friends on Facebook and people that have known from all aspects of life. And I'm, and I see the crystals or, (laughs) Um, just new age things. And I'm like, Hey, we we were in youth group together or, you know, we went to church together and, and, you know, you're just seeing people add on or add to. And I, that's, that's, uh, not biblical. It's not biblical. No. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this could, we could discuss it. You know, this is the effect of postmodernism, the whole idea that there aren't absolute truths, that, you know, what's true to me isn't true to you, and that's okay. And, you know, what is a fact anyway? <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. we're seeing it's the disintegration of reason in the world. So that's just something that that's been on my mind and kind of something I'm processing in the moment. But, you know, I would sure love to hear from any of our listeners if they have questions that they want to get our take on or topics and subjects, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. 
So for that reason, we have created an email address where anybody who listens to this that has a question you want us to take on or you want to submit a topic idea. So it's email to stoner siblings podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. Yeah, I think getting some questions or comments would be a great thing for uh, further discussion and, you know, what we're trying to just shed some light on. Yeah. And just, you know, we do this mostly so that you and I have an opportunity to talk and connect on a regular basis, but we also do care about those who go to the trouble to listen to us so we want to keep it interesting for them too uh, and keep it keeping all those pathways open i think is important as well so that email address will come in handy i'm sure i've already gotten two emails they were both from google oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey if google is sitting up and taking notice i guess that's the first step in every journey there we go all right, sister. Well, it's been a nice long discussion with you, so I appreciate it. Yeah. And I hope you have a great weekend. Well, and I know you will, so can't wait to, wait to hear next week how it went. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Stoners out. Stoners out.